0: You're listening to the Ask Drone You podcast. You ask, we answer your drone questions. Whether you're here to turn your passion into profit or you simply fly for fun. We're a community of learners and teachers who aspire to achieve greatness. We are Drone You. Hey everyone and welcome to another fantastic episode of Ask Drone You. This week in the news, we have a lot to bring you and we have a lot of topics as new drones are being released. Conferences are happening all over, but which ones are actually useful? To bring in this week's drone news, joining me today is Haya Castello from Drone DJ. Haya, welcome to the show, my friend. Hey, Paul, good morning, how are you today? Doing well, doing well, how are you?
1: Very good, very good. I mean, fall is setting in here in, uh, in New York, so temperatures have dropped quite a bit. Weather's still nice, so it's still good for flying drones, but it's definitely getting colder and the days are getting shorter, so. Kind of sad to see summer go away, to be honest.
0: It is, it is sad to see summer go away. It's been getting cooler here as well as Balloon Fiesta literally takes flight this week in Albuquerque. And we're excited because we're going to be shooting that this week ourselves. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun to be there, and I think it's gonna be a lot of fun also to showcase how events are allowing drones and how they're not allowing drones. But moving on into our first piece of news this week, Haya. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to join you at Airworks because we were doing a training at the NTSB Training Academy, but I've heard a lot of stories coming out of Airworks. Maybe not what we expected, but excited to hear from you what's
1: new. Yeah, totally. So last week we had DJI Airworks. Uh, Last year it uh, took place in Dallas. Texas this year it was in Los Angeles in California and the setup was definitely uh, smaller than last year. I'm not quite sure what the number of attendees were but I think it was around the same size as last year or maybe slightly less. It's still a pretty uh, pretty big event I think for one company to, uh, to organize especially in the drone industry. It started off with a media day on Monday last week where we were invited to come over. We got a, a sneak preview of DJI's news and also we were taken to a training facility of the uh, Los Angeles Fire Department which was actually really cool because we got to meet with some fire uh, men out there and listen to their stories about how they use drones the kind of situations they run into and the types of drones that they use so that was definitely a uh, very interesting afternoon um then on tuesday the event officially opened with mario rubello the um chief basically here in the uh, North American market. And he started out this keynote presentation with a um, commitment to to safety and data security and saying that, hey, the data, your data on your drone is going to be yours and it's not going to be sent to China or anything like that. Uh, We were able to record the entire keynote and I'll be making those videos available this week on YouTube. So if you weren't able to go to DJI Airworks and if you're interested to see some of those keynote sessions or presentations, uh, check out Drone DJ on YouTube, and you'll be able to see uh, quite a few of them. Actually, of course, the news when it comes to drones was that uh, DJI focused this year quite a bit on the agricultural market, and they launched the new DJI Argus T16, which is a drone that was already used in Asia, but now will be brought to the US market as well. And this is one of those those massive drones. So don't think of a Phantom-sized drone, but they're much much bigger. They're used to spray pesticides over crops, and they carry, I think, it's 16 liters worth of fluids, so the batteries are big, the props are big, Uh, it's a monster drone basically. The second drone that DJI launched at this event was the DJI Phantom 4 multispectral. And this is a drone that has a multispectral camera with six 2-megabyte sensors um, that are able to to basically scan an area, and it's again uh, aimed at the agricultural market, so you should be able to use these drones to fly over your farm grounds and basically get a sense of how your crops are doing, how the soil conditions are. Are And by having that information available quickly, you would be able to optimize uh, how you run your farm. Now, I think you've been able already to fly uh, the DJI Phantom 4 multispectral. So maybe we can talk a little bit about that as well.
0: Yeah, so far we actually did have a chance to go out and fly the P4 Multispectral and test it against the EBX uh, with the MicaSense RE, and then we also had a chance to test it against the Wingtra drone with the MicaSense Red Edge MX to give it a real test against the existing multispectral drones. Now, the idea for the review, Haya, was to really see the efficiency of each drone. How simple and easy was it to essentially fly each individual drone and map this very small area uh, in in Denver? Now, we haven't had these podcasts come out yet, but we did film two podcasts, one with uh, Greg from Scholar Farms, talking about the P4 multispectral and what it can really be used for. And you know, with the fact that it's got six sensors, and those six sensors are typically two megapixel sensors. Now, while that may sound small to most people, the other multispectral sensors are often one megapixel or even 1.2 or 1.5 megapixels. So frankly, they're very small. Now, what does that mean? Well, it essentially means that the P4 multispectral can cover larger areas with less imagery. The only thing that we found was with the initial testing unit that we were provided with DJI, it seemed to have a heavy battery usage, meaning that the area that would typically take to maybe map with one battery took two batteries. So very interesting. We haven't tested the results yet. We're running them all through Pix4D Fields to see which unit would be the best. But my first impression here, Haya, is that the DJI P4 multispectral is really gonna be utilized for people who need high accuracy indexing of farms when the farms are, are just really coming to fruition. In addition, it's really going to be interesting to see how the P4 multispectral is used because since it's not a fixed wing and it's going to take a significant amount of power to actually map these larger areas, which are crops, right? Farms are typically large areas. Well, in order to map those areas, it's going to take a significant amount of batteries. But the true test will be how is the quality of that imagery versus the fixed wings? Because again, we think the DJI P4M is going to be really good for... Well, I think it's going to be all about winery and crops that really have a high value and are small.
1: What kind of uh, flight time did you get out of the uh, Phantom 4 Multispectral? Because if you look at the specs, it says that you should be able to get a maximum of 27 minutes worth of flight time. And I would imagine that if, if, if you look at the Midwest at some of those farms, they their lands are enormous basically. So, you would need a number of batteries for sure. But did you get anywhere near those 27 minutes that DJI promises?
0: Um, well, without running a true test and really understanding exactly the true flight time, our first mission actually only lasted 14 minutes. Now, there's a couple of caveats here, right? Because in Denver, we're at high elevations. So, typically, you never get the promised flight time anyway because you're already at elevation. But what does that typically look like? Well, on a typical P4, when they say we get 28 minutes, here at altitude, we typically get 22 to 23. Uh, So there's always a loss at elevation, but the amount of loss was significant. So we're going to be running some further tests on flight time because we think with the RTK unit and the added light sensor and the added camera, We're really adding a significant amount of weight to this little drone and once again I will say that we were actually floored at how little flight time there was available.
1: Now, the DJI uh, Phantom 4 Multispectral will be available through uh, authorized DJI Enterprise dealers worldwide for six and a half thousand dollars. Then you can get the RTK2 mobile base station as well in combination with the drone for nine thousand one hundred US dollars. I mean, if you look at prices, is this setup from DJI a lot more competitively priced than, let's say, some of the alternate uh, alternative uh, drones you've flown that day?
0: While it is competitively priced because the Wingtra, you know, I believe starts at about thirty five thousand, forty thousand, while it is competitively priced overall because typically people are paying six to eight thousand dollars typically for the sensor itself, yes it's competitively priced. The true question will be can this drone cover larger areas or even the average size farm? which in America is about a 1,000 acres. And frankly, without doing more testing, I already have my questions, up. but like I said, we're gonna be launching a full-blown podcast on this review and really excited to have it come out because there are questions, because while the camera offers very good quality, how do we actually calibrate that camera? Because we we had the luminosity sensors out Mm -hmm. along the field and we're taking pictures of Mm -hmm. them, but I will say that the functionality was very limited on the P4M. We were only able to use DJI Ground Station, uh, or excuse me, Ground Station Pro, which was on the iPad. And we had to you know, utilize the P4RTK profile in that system to actually map with it, but it did work. And also to caveat that, DJI did give us a, a beta product. So I know the full user interface isn't quite out yet, And that's why I'm also kind of careful because, again, I think our our upcoming show will really, really talk about these details. But I really think if you're in a, you know, farming for winery, if you're in farming for high, you know, uh, low yielding, high price crops, this can be a great tool. But really, it's, you know, the proof is in the pudding, Haya. And I just don't think we have enough data to really come out and say, this is a phenomenal tool.
1: Yeah, I understand. Um, I also heard that, um, of course, this drone will work with DJI Terra. Uh, We were able to go to a uh, presentation on DJI Terra. Uh, So we'll be putting a video of that presentation on our YouTube channel as well for people to check out. Going back to DJI Airworks for a second here, Um, what I found interesting was that DJI when they, when they talk about addressing the enterprise drone market, they talk about their products as being an aerial platform for enterprise companies to continue build upon. So come up with their own software, come up with additional tools. If you look at the different SDK programs, for instance, the mobile SDK program from DJI, I think last year was around 4 million uh, activations. This year, and the year's not even over yet, of course, it's already over 6 million. So that was an interesting uh, fact that a lot of people are starting to use these SDKs from DJI to launch their own solutions for their particular business needs. In that same story, basically, another thing that DJI launched at their event was the DJI Export, which is a gimbal and that they make available for companies to put their own hardware on. Uh, DJI found that a lot of time was spent on uh, by other companies on making gimbal solutions for DJI products. And DJI figured if we can make a, a gimbal solution that is able to accept different sensors, different lenses, different cameras, then we can cut down on the development time of our customers. So uh, another sign that DJI is really trying to speed up Uh, The acceptance of drones in larger companies and also making it easier for them to come up with solutions and get those activated Uh, Lastly uh, the last bit of news from the event was DJI launching their DJI disaster relief program And this is kind of a big deal as well They're making training and hardware and software solutions available for different Uh, first responder organizations. I think this is still a continuation of what DJI started doing about a year, year and a half ago, is focusing on how drones are used for good, how they're uh, able to help save people's lives. And of course, it's a story that does well with the media. It makes it easier for people to understand what the value of drones are for our society. And that's a program that DJI uh, now made official, uh, introduced at the DJI events. And yeah, I think it's a very smart move. I think it's also good to see how first responders are using drones uh, to help save people's lives. That's it in a nutshell from Airworks this year. Like I said, it was it felt slightly smaller than last year. I mean, there were still a lot of people there. So think about probably 800 attendees. Um, yeah, looking forward to the next one next year really.
0: Yeah, interesting that you say that because most of the feedback that I've gotten about Airworks not having been there was that it was a lot smaller than last year and that the floor was a lot smaller and there were not a lot of third-party vendors offering services from uh, or within DJI. Uh, and it's very interesting because between AirWorks last year and AirWorks this year, it seems like DJI has literally encroached on their own environment that they've created. You know, they've created this environment with the SDK to allow other companies to come in and produce piggyback products that work with drones. Yet they're also uh, subsequently, just like Apple, starting to go after those products. Um, yeah. And and you know, I will say when it comes to the P4M and you know mapping as a whole. I would say that, you know, already seeing some of the data sets that I've been seeing from Pix4D Fields, um, I would say that, I again, as far as workflow efficiency is concerned, um, I would like to do more testing because I don't think Terra is there yet. Here's the example with Wingtra and the Micasense RedEdge MX. Before we left the site, we already had the full data set ready to go. And that was with Pix4D Fields and with the Micasense RedEdge MX. I don't think the workflow is that seamless just yet with the P4 multispectral. So I would really pump the brakes on Terra and say like, you know, before we promote this to everyone, I'm not really sure that it's there yet. So, But I do appreciate Haya coming on and speaking about Airworks because I wasn't uh, able to be there. And I have not heard anything about that custom gimbal solution, which I think could actually be really cool even for drone service providers myself i mean i can already see how useful that would be in absolutely crushing the mapping competition very interesting now as dji launches the p4m skydio actually launched their drone last week as well and i have to say i'm extremely excited for skydio but i was kind of disappointed to hear that we did not uh, have that global shutter, as I would love to see, and I think is important for any enterprise drone to have, but maybe this drone is not made for the enterprise market. Haya, what do you have?
1: Yeah, so uh, about what? Almost two years, year and a half ago, Skydio launched their R1 drone and kind of blew the market away with the, that drone's ability to fly itself. Uh, I had the opportunity to fly it a couple of times uh, as well, and it was. It was just a weird experience letting go of that drone. It would take off, fly away from you, maybe six or eight feet. It would turn around and basically just look at you and follow your every step. And it was almost uh, it was almost weir- a-, a weird experience, not having to fly the drone, but seeing that drone respond to your every move. The problem, of course, with the R1 was that it was very very expensive. Uh, it was also kind of heavy and large. And all the time that I spoke to Skydio since then. Um, they gave me bits and bits of information about how the successor would be smaller, would be more competitively priced, would have better capabilities. And of course, last week they actually launched the successor, the Skydio 2, uh, was launched on October 1st. And if you look at the design, I mean, they've, they've moved forward quite a bit from the, uh, from the R1, like the R1 had that metal band around the props where all the navigational cameras were located. Uh, if you look at the Sky there 2, the design is completely different. It's it's very smartly done at the front. The propellers are mounted at the uh, bottom side of the uh, of the arms. And then on top, you have three 4K uh, wide angle. I think it's 200 degrees wide uh, 4K cameras uh, that are able to basically see everything around them. And instead of u- using stereo um, to triangulate its position relative to the surrounding area now they got three cameras and then you also have three cameras mounted on the bottom of the drone and on those rear arms the props are mounted on the top side so that as the drone flies it's able to basically scan yeah in three dimensions all around itself so the design is totally different it seems like it's going to be easy to hand launch and hand catch this drone. However, if you want to land the drone on a regular surface, those front props seem to be very vulnerable. So if it's an uneven surface, that might not be the, the right way to go. Uh, we haven't been able to test or fly this drone ourselves yet. We hope to do so soon so we can give some more feedback on how well this uh, this new design works. If you look at the main camera, it's mounted on a 3-axis stabilized gimbal. It's a 10-bit uh, camera that shoots 4K video at 60 frames per second in HDR. So it's actually, that's that those specs are quite impressive. It's not a 20 megapixel sensor. It's only 12.3 megapixels. And it's a 1 over 2 thirds CMOS sensor from Sony in combination with an f2.8 lens. Now, if you look at the feedback that we got on Drone DJ, but also that I've seen on Facebook and on Twitter, Is that some people were somewhat underwhelmed with the specs of the camera? I think what SkyDio has done here is that rather than making another very expensive drone, let's say uh, more than two, two and a half thousand dollars with a high end camera, uh, I think what SkyDio did was actually kind of smart. Is they aimed to be more competitively priced than the DJI Mavic 2 Pro and the DJI Mavic 2 Zoom. So let's say around that thousand dollar price mark and within that range, come up with the best possible product. Now, the benefit of having a drone that's uh, so competitively priced, of course, is that it becomes attractive to a much, much larger market. And I think that with Skydio still being a young drone startup, it's important for them and their business and also their investors to show that it's a viable company, that the market is large enough. So I think they made a smart choice by going for a larger market with this drone instead of going for the more high-end drones in that sense. Going back to the specs uh, for the drone here, um, it has a flight time of 23 minutes. The battery is mounted at the bottom of the drone, so that's what you see in the videos where they're holding the drone. It's uh, attached with magnets, so it should be very easy to, uh, to take off and swap it out for another battery. Hopefully not that easy that we uh, run the risk of losing the battery mid-flight. Uh, I don't think that would happen, but again, we haven't flown it yet. Priced at $999 and that's just for the drone that you can fly from your smartphone. Skydio also introduced two accessories. One is the Skydio beacon, which is almost like a magic wand, if you will, it's like a remote control. And with that, you can position the drone around you so you can bring it closer you can send it further away you can position it at a different angle so let's say as you're snowboarding or if you're mountain biking or whatever you can fly that drone and position it around you as you're going through your motions really cool the other accessory is the controller and if that controller looks somewhat familiar it's because it's basically the exact same controller that uh, parrots ships when you buy one of their anafi drones so rather than developing their own controller skydio uh, i think was smart and in, in this uh, in this case they went to Parrot and basically were able to use their controller put skydio software on it and now it's all set up to to fly your Skydio 2 drone. Both the accessories are priced at 150 bucks, so with the $1,000 for the drone, you end up at 1,300, which is still less than the DJI drones, uh, the Mavic 2 Zoom and the Mavic 2 Pro, which, by the way, both were increased in price recently as a result of the uh, tariffs coming into effect. So, wrapping it all up, with the Skydio, you get a drone that has that famous Skydio uh, autonomous uh, flying built in, which if you haven't tried it yet, I think it's going to blow you away. I mean, the drone flies like uh, like no other drone. You still have full control if you use the controller. And yeah, I think it's a great product. I put my uh, $100 reservation fee in right away, and I'm part of that first batch. So hopefully I'll be able to uh, to fly one myself in early November.
0: Yeah, excited to fly one as well. Uh, just taking a quick look, pricing sensor size. Why would Skydio come in with a great drone with a smaller sensor? Well, if you again, you mentioned the price point. It's under the Mavic 2 Pro. It's under the Mavic 2 Zoom. One thing I will say, because in that feedback that you've been seeing online, I've been seeing that same feedback about it's a smaller sensor. While it is a smaller sensor, it offers more dynamic range than all the other drones in the same class. So it's something to really think about. In addition, the 4K60 on the Mavic 2 Pro really doesn't work. Um, You know, you get those really, uh, uh, what is it called, noisy edges. And the sensor can only, you know, really handle maybe a minute of doing 4K 60 video. And we tend to not even use it on the Mavic 2 Pro. We tell everyone to shoot 27K at 60 frames per second. So that being said, why would Skydio come in at a lower price point? Well, is it to really attract more and more drone users because they're allowing for this absolutely insane obstacle avoidance. I mean, I've watched those videos of the Mavic 2 Pro and the Skydio following the same, you know, object. And I've had that issue with the Mavic 2 Pro coming to a stop and not flying anymore. So to see that in real life and show how the Skydio is still flying around objects and whatnot, it's absolutely spectacular. I mean, unbelievable. So on a macro perspective, I think it's also smart because if they sell a lot of these drones to you know moms and dads who want to shoot their kids on boats and follow boats and have something that's simple and easy to make their family look cool here we are back to some sort of exciting way to draw new users in and if they then utilize this new user base to then create a more powerful enterprise drone then i think that we're really onto something but you know don't right. forget Skydio is really pushing public safety because their drone can navigate environments that other drones cannot navigate so I would say that they are doing a lot of really cool stuff. And I think it's gotten the attention of DJI because all of a sudden the Mavic 3 has been quote unquote leaked Mm -hmm. two days after Skydio. And uh, again, you know, I would say that I'm really, really excited for Skydio, excited for what they come out with. And like you, Haya, I'm a part of that first group and I'm excited to see that it is sold out. But in this next piece of news for this week, these aren't the only new drones that are coming out. But they're, while other drones are coming out, they're also not nearly as exciting. Now, I don't know about you, Haya, but I am pretty frustrated that these drone manufacturers who it sounds like are, you know, letting people go. They're bleeding from the edges. They They literally are, you know, trying to scramble to sell units, and they continue to launch these subpar units, and it just makes me wonder, are they listening to the community as a whole? So what do you have for us
1: from Unique. It's a good point that you make there. I mean, um, Unique launched a drone last week and they now partnered with Leica and not Leica that some of you might know from the mapping world, but Leica from the camera world. Leica, of course, is a very... um, or as a, as a camera manufacturer that goes way, way back. I mean, I think they've been in existence for probably close to, if not over 100 years or so. They make very high-end, small, uh, portable cameras that uh, are seen as a luxury item for sure. I mean, the price that could easily be six, 7,000 bucks, gets two or three more lenses, and you're getting close, if not over $10,000 for one of those setups. So it's high-end stuff. Basically, the almost in the same price range as some of the Hasselblad uh, cameras and lenses that are out there. Now, unique partner with Leica and launched a Typhoon H3 with an Ion L1 Pro camera, and it's almost it's almost like they take a page out of DJI's playbook, I guess, with DJI and Hasselblad. I mean, we have well, we have seen, of course, with the DJI Mavic 2 Pro that they use the Hasselblad name. Uh, in this case, unique uses the leica name to help sell more drones now the drone itself is not that much different it's really about the camera that they developed um, with leica it has a one inch sensor which is really impressive but on the flip side you still uh, run into range issues with uh, this particular drone so is it exciting? Yes. I mean, it's great to have yet another drone on the market. I totally agree with you that I think it kind of falls short of living up to uh, to customers' expectations. And I don't think it's really going to blow anybody out of the water. Um, but then again, it's, it's good to see new products. So I can't fault them for that.
0: Yes. And by the way, the Leica for camera and the Leica for geospatial intelligence or GPS, as most people know it, is the same company, actually. So to see that, you know, Leica actually, you know, is coming out with Unique to do this drone is astronomically unfortunate and disappointing because they come out with a drone that could have a phenomenal GNSS uh, GPS rover for high grade positioning. In addition, they could have created or utilized a camera with a global shutter to allow for a more seamless, easy to use, uh, mapping drone, and maybe they are. Maybe they're just teasing us with this, and they're trying to split test which drone is actually going to work better. But I have to say, you know, when I talked to Bill uh, uh, English from the NTSB, and talked to On Good Sing, and talked to a couple other people, uh, you know, at the Pix40 user conference this last week, which, by the way, was phenomenal. Probably the best conference I've been to all year long, and I have yet to see any more value come out of a conference than that one. All year or two years in a row but i will say a lot of us are really disappointed with this drone doesn't have a global shutter again you know you talk about the range and when you have such a lackluster range with that drone that drone will not even qualify for some of the exemptions of part 107 so if you want to do a BVLOS waiver can't use that drone if you want to do ev los can't use that drone i mean there, there's some issues, there's some very significant issues that I really wish they would solve because, you know, right. if you had a great transmission system, a global mm-hmm. shutter with this particular camera setup, and you have the ability to utilize the drone with third-party apps to do mapping, I mean, you have a you have now, you know, essentially a Phantom 4 replacement, but we didn't have any of those things, so we don't have a P4 replacement, so let's just move on to next this next piece of news, <laughs> which is a lot more exciting. Uh, So, as the battle for local malls and in-person shopping battles with Amazon, what is the one key thing that could make your personal shopping more personal? Well, what if stores, like the mall, could deliver your materials, your products, and the items that you bought online right to your doorstep? What if the stores that your wife knows that she likes and she knows how the clothes fit her, What if those stores could do drone delivery much like Amazon's two-day delivery? Well now, thanks to UPS, this future could present itself to us, maybe in a few years, but it's getting more and more real as drone delivery takes one step further in this week's news with UPS.
1: Exactly, Paul, thank you for that introduction. Um, you're absolutely right. UPS basically registered as a as an airline company, really. I mean, they went through the uh, Part 135 certification, got to make sure I get that right. Um, and they are now allowed uh, by the FAA to fly drones, uh, to fly drones that carry more than 55 pounds, fly them at night and also fly them beyond visual line of sight or uh, BVLOS. So it's a huge step. Um, now, Hold your horses. I mean, I don't think that UPS uh, anytime soon is going to be delivering, let's say, your wife's new dress or some other things that you'd like to get uh, shipped from the mall to your house. I don't think it's going to be that fast, although with this um, certification, they would be able to do so. However, UPS said that initially they're going to focus on things like blood samples uh, and medical supplies being shipped across hospital campuses. So, for instance, in North Carolina, Wake Med Hospital in Raleigh, they use the drone to ship uh, blood samples and medical supplies from point A to point B. So basically, it's a predefined fixed route and they fly the drone back and forth. Uh, cuts down on time, makes it a lot more efficient. But those are the kind of ways that these drones initially will be used. So UPS is looking to expand this program program to other hospitals. However, yeah, technically they will be able to fly from malls and you would wonder how far that's a uh, future, how far away that is from us uh, with companies like UPS getting these kind of certifications. So it's a big, big breakthrough for sure. Um, I'd like to see where they're going to expand this program and how they do with those uh, tests. Um, yeah, And then find out what their plans are longer term, um, where they see the first opportunities to expand this drone program, really
0: yeah very interesting i will say it's interesting too that they go after medical supplies first because you know one of the things that we learned in business school is the fact that if your business has kind of that greater good mentality the propensity for you to succeed is much much higher because people see a macro use case of helping other people and they typically want to be On that train they want to help other people but I think we all know what this is really about which is pushing consumerism so we have to start with doing what's good and I think that's phenomenal I think there are a lot of people especially in today's day and age where we have a high propensity of doctors in urban environments yet in the rural areas it's extremely difficult to find the same level of care and even the same level of supplies so I think UPS is really solving a problem but I also think it's very easy to showcase what's the end goal here so With that news, there's also even more news, even more product releases. And Haya, it makes me wonder, is October just the time for everyone to drop their new products to get them excited for the holiday season? Because it looks like GoPro has a reaction to the new Osmo Mobile. What happened with GoPro this week?
1: Yeah, um, I totally agree. I mean, all the companies are getting ready for the shopping season, the Q4 uh, season, if you will. Uh, GoPro just released their GoPro Hero 8 as well as their GoPro Max 360, which is a 360 camera. Priced. Basically, as you would expect from uh, from GoPro, the uh, GoPro Hero 8 Black goes on sale for $399. And the GoPro Max 360 sells for $499. DJI just released their DJI Osmo Action, which was very competitive to the GoPro Hero 7 Black Edition. The 8 is a step up. I mean, I don't know if you already have a Hero 7 Black if you need to upgrade to a Hero 8. Um camera i mean it seems that the really the the big difference is basically in the hyper smooth 2.0 now gopro released hyper smooth the first generation or the first iteration if you will with their gopro hero 7 black camera now we're moving up to the second generation so expect better uh, image stabilization again uh, so that might be a reason however if you have the hero 7 i don't know if this is enough of a reason to upgrade but yeah it's uh, it's exciting to see that they come out with new products and gopro is still there they're Still very well known, of course, for their action cameras and maybe even more so also because of all the accessories that you can get for a GoPro. I mean, if you go on Amazon and, and see all the different things you can buy to use your GoPro camera, it's uh, it's pretty extraordinary and it allows you to get that awesome action footage. So it's exciting to see. Smart move right before the holiday season. Um, yeah, it probably will make for a great gift for many people for um what is it, Thanksgiving or Christmas?
0: <laughs> what is it? Thanksgiving? <laughs> hey, give thanks, give a GoPro. Oh. You know? <laughs> Turkey, yeah, it's, uh, it's so uh yeah. nineteen ninety-nine. So <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> um but no, it is exciting to see what they do. Um uh you know, everyone's releasing cameras, so I feel like next year, twenty twenty is really gonna be the year that everyone updates their camera bag. I know I am myself, but I don't think it's gonna be with GoPro. Now, on that bombshell, we've got a lot of really cool stories to, uh, to really wrap up the last two weeks of news. And apologies to anyone who has been uh, watching and missed last week's news. It was quite a hectic week, again, with the PIX40 user conference going on. Uh, now, that being said, hi. It looks like we have some really cool little tidbits. So when it comes to Puerto Rico, crocodiles, whales, and Aussies, what do they all have in common? Not really sure, other than it's drone news. What do you have for us?
1: It's all drone related for sure. Let's start with the whales. Um, This is from Hoots Hall Oceanic Institution and Denmark's Airhouse Institute of Advanced Studies. They've been trying to weigh whales and of course weighing a whale is is no easy task. I mean these animals become pretty large and really only when they die or strand you would be able to to possibly weigh one if you can get one on an uh, industrial size scale. So it's quite a challenge. What they found is that if you use mapping software and you get enough images from a drone of one of these whales, you can basically create a 3D model and you can make a fairly accurate estimation of how heavy these animals actually are. This is exactly what they've done. They took pictures of 86 southern right whales off the coast of uh, Peninsula Valdez in Argentina. And to do so, they used a DJI Inspire 1 drone to capture all these images. And they took them basically from 66 to 131 feet in elevation, which is probably well, maybe a little lower than what you would use for for your mapping. Um, but they used mapping software basically to create these 3D models and estimate how heavy these animals are, which tells you a lot about, of course, how they're faring, how they're doing in their environment, if they're growing at a pace that you would expect them to grow, if everything is healthy and fine. So uh, it's a very cool example. We've seen how they used um, drones in the past to collect will snots and basically use that information to, uh, to see how healthy these animals are are. Uh, in this story, it's a new way of using drones to do things that simply weren't possible before. So, yeah, I think it's very exciting.
0: It is extremely exciting, frankly. Um, it's also exciting how, you know, we've been doing classes on Pix4D React now for public safety and disaster relief, utilizing extremely fast orthomosaic production product like Pix4D React. But it looks like people are also utilizing drones to showcase when others are missing, like in Puerto Rico.
1: Yeah, this is actually a, another very cool story. Um, it starts out with, uh, with a disaster, of course, unfortunately. Uh, back in September uh, 2017, Hurricane Maria uh, hit Puerto Rico and basically devastated large, large parts of that island or that country one of the people living there, and his name, make sure that I get that right, Pedro Cruz, noticed that a lot of people were using uh, paint to write messages on asphalt and parking lots, and he was flying his drone to see if one of his family members was doing okay, and as he saw from, from high up in the sky these messages, he wondered if you wouldn't be able to use something like text recognition to actually um, pick up on these SOS messages, if you will, and also recognize what they say and be able to Allocate resources to different areas. So, if you know, for instance, that uh, one part of a village has been struck by this hurricane and they no longer have access to water, you know what kind of resources you would have to send over there. Now, text recognition apparently didn't work because of the different styles of handwriting and the different things that people would write. However, he was able to develop software together with uh, IBM uh, that uses artificial intelligence to basically pick up on these messages. They did make one change. They uh, now use a set of predefined Um, images, if you will, from the United Nations. They recently released uh, a large number of these signs. And if you inform people appropriately, and they would know which signs to use, they will be able to paint or spray paint these messages on asphalt or the top of of a building. And by doing so, communicate to the first responders what their situation is like, and if any, what kind of resources they would require. Of course, the drone is the ideal to fly over large areas at a low enough altitude where the resolution of the images is so high that you would be able to use these images for this purpose. And again, I think it's a a really cool story of how drones can make a difference and in this case, potentially uh, help save people's lives.
0: I think it's a phenomenal use case. And again, drones continue to save lives. So much news for this week, Haya, as we're almost 40 minutes into this news show. (laughs) I mean, it is crazy. So can we... Can listeners expect to have another news show this week?
1: I think so. I think if, we come, if I come down to New Mexico, as we're planning to do later this week, uh, we should be able to crank out a show in person, I think.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to have you here in the studio so yeah. we can do just that because there is an astronomical amount of, of news going on and it seems like the drone industry is really picking up steam in this last quarter of 2019. And I think that also showcases that
1: 2020 is going to be quite a powerful year in the drone industry. Totally. I totally agree. Um, You want to run through these last two stories quickly? We have one from Australia.
0: Yes. Yes. So it seems, uh, yes, very interested to hear what's going on in Australia as drones continue to save lives. Again, sorry to interrupt you in your life-saving examination of how drones are, again, life-saving. So.
1: Awesome. This story takes us to Australia. We reported on this company, uh, the Ripper Group, with their Little Ripper, as they officially call their drone, probably a year, year and a half ago. uh, They used drones to patrol the beaches, and they programmed their artificial intelligence software to be able to recognize different shapes and forms in the water. So think of people swimming in the water, people surfing in the oceans, but also dolphins and sharks. And the drones were used to uh, to warn people of uh, sharks, Sharks getting near the beaches where people would uh, enjoy the ocean. Now, fast forward uh, a year or so, um, Amazon Web Services now partnered with uh, the Ripper Group to basically expand um, their software capabilities and to be able to process these images much, much faster and therefore be faster in their response services and say, hey, we got a shark here or uh, we got no danger whatsoever. They've moved this surface now up to the northeastern part of Australia as well, and they now use it to identify crocodiles also. I mean, in Australia, you have crocodiles that... Uh, swim both in in, fresh water as well as in the ocean and uh, this software is now able to recognize 16 different uh, animals in the water, uh, one of which now of course are the crocodiles. And there have been a number of fatalities uh, in the last so many years with crocodiles injuring or even killing uh, swimmers. So to use drones again to keep people safe is a big deal and yeah I think this is a very smart application uh, of drones in Australia.
0: Definitely. seems like the world is finding more and more ways to utilize data, to, to just help other people. It's amazing.
1: Yeah. What else do you have, Haya? You said you had two more. Two more. And this one ties back to Australia as well. We spoke about this, what, two or three weeks ago. An Australian couple, um, kind of internet famous with Instagram and whatnot, they travel the world, they take amazing pictures of amazing locations, and they ended up in Iran, uh, flew a drone in Iran, and then, of course, no surprise, uh, they were arrested and thrown into jail. Now, jails in Iran are a little different than uh, what people might expect, uh, let's say, in Western Europe or uh, the US. These jails are pretty rough and tough in Iran. And, of course, a lot of people were concerned, because if you're arrested and uh, thrown into jail you might stay there for let's say 10 years or so because they were being accused of using the drone for espionage now luckily behind the scenes the Australian government has been able to uh, get these folks uh, freed apparently they're back now in Australia safe and sounds uh, their names by the way are Jolie King and Mark Furkin, if I pronounced that correctly but we're happy to report that at least they're no longer in an uh, in a jail in Iran and they had been there actually for quite some time uh, a couple of months so uh, it must have been been a pretty uh, (laughs) harrowing experience I think for them but luckily to report or happy to report they are back safe and sound in Australia and I'm sure they'll continue their travels.
0: Definitely happy to hear that they are not a victim of politics in Iran and that's good that they're getting out. I wonder uh, if it would be the same if they were American. Hopefully it would be but it probably wouldn't be. Um, But on that drone news that's I think a great highlight to end this week's uh, news show because there is a lot and we missed a lot last week, but greatly appreciate having you on the show. Is there anything that you expect to see in the coming weeks?
1: Um, Probably that a third batch of Skydio drones is going to be sold out pretty soon. Uh, The way they've been going is uh, they're selling pretty quickly. In terms of drone news for the upcoming week, uh, no, we'll have to see what comes out. Uh, I'm excited to come down to Albuquerque, New Mexico and see if we can fly drones near the balloon fiesta. I think that's going to be pretty amazing.
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be pretty amazing as well, and I'm really excited for that. And on that bombshell, that is going to do it for this week's news show. Don't forget to leave us a review, and if you love the news shows, don't forget to share them with a friend. And we really appreciate you listening in every week. As always, apologies for missing last week, but we will try not to miss weeks again. But thank you again for joining us. That's going to do it for us today. Haya, thank you so much for coming on here, and this is a lot of work. I mean, I know you've written an article on every single topic that we've mentioned, and there's just a lot of work that goes into it. So thank you so much.
1: Pleasure to be there, Paul, as always.
0: Definitely. Well, everyone, that's gonna do it for us today. Thanks again for listening to another news episode of the Ask Drone You podcast. We'll see you next time. We believe that videos, images, words, and sounds have the absolute power to inform, inspire, and entertain. We reject indecision We are the
1: drone you